son. Uh, I thought that was great. One of the wisest things I've ever heard said. Uh, I love the app. I love the daily because here's the thing. You get Derek is on there every day and the wisdom that pours out of him in reflection to the scripture is absolutely amazing. You're going to be a part of the daily. Okay. Happy New Year. Great to see you all. Uh, here's the thing. Why do we go to church? Uh, all the studies I've read about why we go to church, there's one thing that kind of rises. There's a lot of reasons, right? But there's one that rises to the top. We want to have an encounter with God. Why do we want to have an encounter to God? We want to have an encounter with God because we want to fuel our faith and satisfy our soul. This is what we want to do right here. And we're going to talk about somebody today who uh, had an opportunity to do that. But let me say this. All across America, all across the northern continent, matter of fact, Church services have more people in them, and this has been the case for us for years, on the first Sunday of a new year. Why would that be? Because you're thinking to yourself, hey, look, I'm starting a brand new year, and I would like it to be a little more good, a little bit better than the last year. And so I'm hoping that maybe I'll go to church and really, especially on this day, have an encounter with God and find my faith fueled and my soul satisfied. So this is what we want to talk about today, particularly the satisfaction portion of all of that. Now, here's the thing. Um, we suffer and it really, it really causes problems because it makes us make decisions that aren't the best for us. But we suffer with this universal human problem of a deep inner dissatisfaction or a discontent. It like, it plagues us, right? It follows after us, like always looking for more. If I could just get more, if I could just do more, if I could just have more. You know, we often think, you know, we know, we know what history shows us that it just doesn't work. It's never worked for anybody else. But still, we think, I think to myself, I know it hasn't ever worked for anybody, but for some reason, I think it will work for me. If I just get this, it will work for me, even though it has never worked for anybody else. There's an interesting scripture. Uh, it's written in the book of Philippians. Paul's writing this. He writes in the Philippians, and he says, I never understood it for years. It says, their God is their stomach. I'm like, Man, these people must really love to eat. What is the deal? Their God is their stomach. What does that mean? And then finally it dawned on me. It's the same story that started on page one of the Bible and goes all the way to the end of the Bible. We have an insatiable appetite for more. Now, all you got to do is read history and you'll see that. So the evidence is clear. Human beings struggle with this deep need and it just takes our lives like, and just causes all kinds of problems. So Paul says, they are headed for destruction. Because their God is their stomach, this insane. So what can we do? There's the bad news. The bad news is, is all of us, every single one of us, has this insatiable appetite for more, this problem. We're under this tyranny of more. That's the bad news. What can we do about it? Where's the good news? The good news is, is that God, thousands of years ago, looked down upon us, and he loves us so much, he says, you know what? I want to help you out with this problem. God, thousands of years ago, knew that in the 20th century, there would be a rock star who had everything. And even though he had everything, he would sing with deep agony in his soul. I can't get no satisfaction. Do you know who this person is? Who is that person? Who is that? He's got everything. How can he not get no satisfaction? He must be able to get satisfaction because he's got everything that brings satisfaction. He's got fame. He's got fortune. Yet, he can't get no satisfaction. This is a persistent 
problem in the Bible. Uh, there's this guy. Some people call him the king. Anybody ever heard of Elvis Presley? Is anybody old enough to hear of Elvis Presley? I'm not old enough, but I had family members, you know, aunts and uncles and stuff. Like they were wild, my sister, wild Elvis Presley posters all over a room, man. He is the king. He is the absolute king. Matter of fact, I had an aunt and, and, I, and an older cousin. So Elvis Presley played the Cap Center. Now, you don't know the Cap Center, but the Cap Center was over in Landover, Maryland, okay? And he played over there towards the end of his life. And my aunt, was crazy about Elvis Presley. And so she took my cousin. And you know when, when, when like the rock stars walk out, just like the NBA players walk out, they walk in that little tunnel and you can get kind of close to them. He said he was standing and watching, my cousin said this. And there was a woman and she had that hand out and she was getting ready to get that high five from the God himself, Elvis Presley. And just as she had her hand up, a guy came in and pushed her out of the way. And, and you know what? Here's the thing, man. You know, when somebody's a God and you're like, if I can just get to that God, my life is going to be right. I mean, it freaks you out. You do some crazy things. She reached down and got the guy's legs and flips him over the rail. Yes, yes, yes. Because Elvis Presley, everybody, is a God. You got to get a hold of the God. And here's the crazy thing. Elvis Presley had everything, right? He had everything. Uh, he was on a lot of drugs at the end of his life, which is pretty well known. You know why he was on drugs? This is what he said. I just want the pain to stop. Everybody, this is a universal problem. We think that more equals more, but actually more equals less. More equals less. There's got to be a better way, and God has a better way. Now, I hate to bring up, as you will hear me often say, I hate to bring up anything with the Dallas Cowboys because they, they are Satan's team, okay? But their Super Bowl quarterback years ago, Troy Aikman, said the same thing that Tom Brady said after winning the Super Bowl. He said, is this it? Both of them said the same thing. Is this it? This is it? This, I've been working for this. Is this it? There's got to be more. Actually, you can look at clips on YouTube. Brady really speaks to this. Man, there's got to be more. Brady, how much more can there be, man? I mean, like you got it all. Mr. Irrelevant became the winningest Super Bowl player of all time. There can't be more. You've got it all. And yet... It's got to be more. And so we think to ourselves, if we can just get our fingers around it, that there will be more. And yet, every story that we look throughout history, and in, of course in the Bible, that more doesn't equal more, more actually equals less. So I'm going to talk about somebody. Uh, his name is Jacob. And this guy had a major problem with more. He tried to fill the void, that empty void in his life by always doing his own thing and getting his own way and grabbing for more and conniving for more and thinking that it's going to fill that void inside of him. Everybody, for us to have an awesome 2024, we have to tackle the tyranny of more. We got to do something about it because it's going to make us, cause us to ha do decisions, make decisions in our life that we're going to look back and we're going to regret. So we got to do something about that more. And Jacob, God gives him a vision. He gives him a dream, actually. I'm going to read it in Genesis 28. It's an amazing moment in his life where God gives him a vision. You know what? You could conquer discontent in your life. Like you could fill that void. You can't do it your way, but you could do it my way if you're willing. And he could do it. But you know what? He ends up refusing to do it. Let me, let me read this to you. It's, it's a fascinating uh, dream. So Genesis 28, where I'm going to start reading is after he wakes up and he's, 
he's thinking about, he's very excited. And he's thinking about this dream that he just had about a ladder. Now I'm gonna explain the ladder in a second because it's a redundant theme in the Bible, okay? So this is what it says. This is Jacob speaking. He says, how awesome is this place? He had just seen this ladder connecting heaven and earth. How awesome is this place? This is none other than the house of God. This is the gate of heaven. This is all temple stuff. He's been gate of heaven, house of God, blah, blah. He's, he's speaking about a temple and I'll explain that in a minute. Don't get tripped up on that. So early in the morning, Jacob took a stone that he had put under his head and he set up a pillar and he pours a bunch of oil on top of it. Then Jacob made a vow saying, if God will be with me and will keep me in this way that I go and will give me bread to eat, clothing to wear so that I come again to my father's house, notice this, in peace, then the Lord shall be my God. And this stone, which I've set up for a pillar, shall be God's house. And all that you give me, I'm going to give a full tenth to you. Now, let me explain some stuff, and then let's get to the end of that verse right there. All right, all this stuff about a ladder and about oil, all these things are describing to us a temple. Now, what does a temple simply mean? Here's a big thing about the temple, and here's where it comes home to us in about a satisfied life. A temple is a simply a place where you can have this like, you ever, you ever had your uh, phone battery like running really, really low and it started to freak you out? You panicked a little bit? You know, I've got to charge this thing up? Okay. So the temple's the place where you go to get charged up. You, you charge your heart. So it's a place where you, like your faith and your life are charged, and here's the big thing for today. You become fully satisfied. So, so in the Bible, everybody, and I know it's sometimes it can be hard for us to see. I didn't see it for years, but the Garden of Eden, the beginning of the Bible, it's a temple, and they were fully set. They had everything they need, like in inside. That inner ache was gone. That void was filled, so that they could they could make good decisions until they decided something else. Okay, and we'll talk about that. But that's what it is. That's what a temple is. So when you read about this ladder that Jacob dreams about, it's like, oh, heaven and earth are connected because that's what a temple is. It's where heaven and earth are connected. And where that connection, that direct connect takes place, that's where our lives can be fully fueled, like our faith is alive and we're completely satisfied. And that's what we want. But you gotta have the direct connect. So God gives him this vision, this dream. Okay, Jacob, this is have for you. I mean, you're miserable. He's been conniving all of his life. He's been trying to do it his own way. You know, I Googled the other day. Has anybody heard of Frank Sinatra before? Okay, thank you. Thank you. Frank Sinatra, you know what is number one? I Googled this. What was Frank Sinatra's most popular song? You know what the number one thing that came up? My way. I did it my way. My way. We used to sing that to our son all the time because he insisted on having things his way, right? I did it my way. Why is that his number one song of all the songs he sang? Because it deeply resonates with us. It's a human universal issue. We want to do things our way. That's Jacob. He wanted to fill the void his way. And God says, look, if you'll follow me, we'll get that void filled, but you're going to have to do it my way not your way. So this is what God says to him. So this temple, we're going to build a temple. It's going to be a direct connect. You can be totally plugged in. How does that happen? How actually do you see these two things come together? There's a prayer in Matthew 6. It's a famous prayer. We call it the Lord's Prayer. It begins this way. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done where, everybody? 
on earth. It's a prayer for a temple to be set up in my life or in our lives. It's the same thing that Jacob was dreaming about. It's where God's will is done so that we can feel fully satisfied with life and we can stop making bad choices in life because we're satisfied, because we're content. It's a prayer. My my community group, uh, we meet on Wednesday nights. We always end the same way. We pray the Lord's prayer together because we know this. As guys, we are going to have a better life, a more awesome life, if we can get rid of that deep dissatisfaction that is in all of us. So it's, we're attacking that. I thought it was interesting. I got an email a couple weeks ago from Amazon. You know how they email you all the time? Hey, we want you to buy more stuff. And what was interesting to me is they said Amazon's book of the year, one of Oprah's best books of the year. You know what it's called? The Heaven and Earth Grocery Store. It's all about a temple. So all about somebody who chose to put God first to allow God's will to be done in their life and how many people were blessed, how their life was satisfied and how many people's lives were changed. Anyway, it's the Amazon's book of the year, the heaven and earth. What's heaven and earth? Heaven and earth, everybody, is a temple. You're meant to be a temple. Look, uh, he says he pours oil on this rock. What's up with the oil? Uh, sometimes it's oil, sometimes it's water, sometimes it's a ladder, it's all kinds of things. Uh, in the Bible, you'd pour oil on the top of a priest or a king. Here at Grace, we dedicate babies. We put oil on them. Why are we doing that? Because we're saying we'd like to see a direct connection. We'd like to see heaven and earth come together in this person's life so they could live a satisfied life. Now, if you're a parent, you know that's what you want for your kids. And God is our parent, and that's what he wants for us. And so he's guiding us into that so 2024 can be a much better year. A temple is a place where we're totally satisfied, and the inner ache is gone. Now, Jacob, this could be the case for you, but it wasn't the case. Why wasn't it the case? Because Jacob could never get himself to put God first. He was always first. If you read about his life, he was confused for his entire life over what was first. He always did his way first. And God said, that's no way to deal with the inner ache. You're going to have to put me first. Now, you put up a temple, you build a temple in your own life. Every single one of us, God says, is to be a temple. And we do that by putting God first. Now, here's the problem with putting God first. It's very abstract. It's not concrete. Like, oh, yeah, I put God first. Absolutely. Putting God first. God gives us some very tangible things we can do. Like Jesus says, there's a concrete way that you put God first. Now, I'm going to take, take a time out right now and pause for a second. And I want to pause and I want to apologize for what I'm about to say. Even though I know it's totally true, even though I've seen it in my life and I've seen it in dozens and dozens of people's lives over the past 20-ish years that I've been in the ministry, even though I've read outside of the Bible, I've read in history, I've read um, social scientists talking about human nature and what makes us work. I know it, I know it, I know it. There's so much data that just proves what I'm getting ready to say is absolutely true, but I'm still going to apologize. Do you know why? Because I'm getting ready to talk about money. And many of us, me included, have been hurt. Uh, We've seen scriptures twisted. We've experienced all kinds of pain. We've seen people put guilt and pressure on people about money. And it just calls all kinds of alarm bells to go off inside of you and inside of me. And uh, I had to to do this message on Thursday in front of the staff. Derek said, I felt like you're leading me into a dark room. (laughs) I thought that was great. Um, So I want to apologize. 
And somebody's going to write me an email or say, hey, why are you apologizing for telling the truth? Here's why I'm apologizing for telling the truth, because we've been hurt a lot. I can't stand it when I've seen it, when I've seen it done. Some of us, like all kinds of triggers, you're, you know, you're turning me off right now. You're checking out because you just, you just you don't want to hear it. And I'm going to let you know, I get it. <laughs> I get it. But um, Jesus talks about it. The Bible talks about it. Um, uh, we struggle with it, and it stands in our way uh, with us really having this satisfied life. Jacob refused to do this. And uh, his life was profoundly impacted in a very negative way as a result. This is what Jesus says about, you know, putting God's kingdom first. Matthew six thirty three. But put God's kingdom first. Do what he wants you to do. Then all those things will be given to you, right? Like, if we can put God first, but in some very tangible ways. Like, the old saying is, you know, whatever's first in your life, show me your checkbook and show me your calendar that's what's first in your life, okay? I don't know if any of us use checkbooks anymore, but I think you get the point, right? So there's not gonna be peace. There's not gonna be satisfaction. That's what it means. Peace means satisfaction. This is the story of Jacob. It's the story of Mick Jagger. It's the story of Elvis. It's all the same story, and it plays over and over and over again. And I want you to know straight up, there is zero pressure and there is zero guilt. I'm not working my way towards like, we're going to pass all of a sudden pass a bunch of plates in here. So just just take it down a notch, okay? And also, I'll say this: um, I feel like a lot of times, and I very seldom talk about money, uh, although I think it's radically important because it stands in our way. But I think you need to know: I don't know what anybody gives to this church. So just in case you're like, "Hey, why does he keep locking eyes with me?" I have. <laughs> Zero idea, but I do want to say this is incredibly important. It's not about money, everybody. It is about internal satisfaction. It's a wholeness. It's a peace within us, okay? So here's what Jesus says about it. No one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you'll be devoted to the one and you'll despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. So he says that right before he talks about putting God first. So right before he's putting God first, he gets very concrete, very tangible, something I can get my hand, hands around, something I can get my heads or, head around, right? It's money. What am I doing with my money? Money is a problem. Money is a God. Money has been a God for a long time. When you read in the Bible about, oh, they were bowing down to this God or that God or whatever, it was like the fish God. They would bow down to the fish God. You know why they would bow down to the fish God? Because they would go out, and it was like the Philistines, right? They had a fish God. You would go out and you would fish, and if you got a bunch of fish, you came back and you sold the fish and you made what? Money, whatever form it came in, you made money, okay? Or you bow down to the sun god. Why are we bowing down to the sun god? Because when the sun comes out, right, and the rain's right, and the sun's right, I can have a lot of crops, okay? And what do I do with crops? I sell them and I make money. So when you read about all these gods they're bowing down to, most of the time, the ultimate winner here is money. Money actually is the ultimate king of all things. Money has been a problem for a very, very long time. When the Israelites are out in the middle of the desert and they're bound down to this golden calf, God sets them free, what are they bound down to? They're bound down to money, right? And so it's money, 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 okay? Over and over again. And God says to Jacob here in Genesis 28, he says, look, you're going to have peace. You're going you're to get rid of that thing that's inside of you that's driving you that Mick Jagger talked about, but you're going to have to trust me with the full tenth. So what does that mean? Well, the Bible calls it a full tenth. It calls it first fruits. It calls it a tithe. It calls it all kinds of stuff, right? All these different things all mean the same thing. It's your, your, you are honoring God with 10% 
of your income as a gift that's holy to God. And that sounds crazy to a lot of us. Sound crazy to me. Except there's so many facts, both inside and outside the Bible, that show that it just, it'll tackle that inner dissatisfaction we have. So basically what we see here in Genesis 28 with Jacob, and he missed out on this, says, no tithe, no peace. If you don't, if you don't trust me here, okay, you're not going to have peace. And it's true. Jacob tells us at the end of his life, Genesis 47, 9, he meets Pharaoh. Pharaoh says, hey, how long have you been living? He tells him and he says, but few and difficult have been my years. Now, here's the thing we need to know about Jacob. When in Genesis 28, he has this dream and God says, I'm going to give you peace and all this kind of good stuff and your life's going to be awesome. He refuses to put it first. He never ties. He never ties. So he never has peace. He's extro- he becomes, he has nothing in Genesis 28. He has nothing. He's on the run for his life. He's got the clothes on his back and that's it. But he comes, becomes incredibly wealthy. Phen- of, oh, accomplished. He is magnificently successful. And he gets to the end of his life with all of his money and all of his success. And he says, few and difficult have been the years of my life. That's no way to live. God doesn't want us to experience that as we head into a brand new year. Don't let those be your words as you enter into a brand new year. Now, Genesis 28 in this dream of this ladder, and he, gives, he, does, he never ties, he never trusts God, he can never put God first. He's always fuzzy about what's first. It's directly tied to another scripture. I don't have time to read it, but it's in Deuteronomy 26. Deuteronomy 26. And Jacob never makes this tithe. But what you see is this unnamed person shows up at the temple of all places, at Bethel, exactly the same place that Jacob was. And he presents his tithe to God. And then he tells in Jacob's own words, as if he's Jacob, tells Jacob's story to the priest that's standing there. And a result of him, why is he doing that? Because he's saying, I'm completing the mission. I'm completing the mission that Jacob refused to complete. And because of that, we're told this, that you're going to be full of life. You're going to be fully satisfied. And you're going to live in a land that's flowing in milk and honey. Now, there's a milk and honey part that grabs our attention. I spoke about this a few weeks ago, okay? Milk and honey. I've been to that region of the world. I have not seen milk and honey flowing in the streets. What is that supposed to mean? I mean, it sounds like it's something really cool, but what does it mean? So what I shared a few weeks ago is this. Astrophysicist Neil deGrasse Tyson said this about milk and honey. He said, if you want the least violent diet that you could possibly have, if you want to live on something in this earth that doesn't kill anything, there's only two things that you could live on, and that's milk and honey, because nothing has to die. So... For this person who's tithing and who's giving, who's answering what Jacob never answered, you're going to be living in a land that's beaming with life, just overflowing with life. This is what he's saying. So there's a direct connect there. And it comes back again to Jesus. Now, Jesus says it, can't serve God money. We bow down to money. Now, we, all know, we don't think it's true about us. I don't think it's true about me, but I know it's true about a bunch of other people, right? That they're bound down to God of money. Everybody is bound down to God of money except for you guys and me. But outside this room, a lot of people are doing this, okay? So Jesus says, it's going to be a problem. It's going to stand in the way. Money's going to get in the way. Later on in Matthew 19, matter of fact, Tishana talked about it last week. This guy, now the words is what got me. This guy comes to Jesus. He says, hey, Jesus, I would really like eternal life. Aha, eternal life. That's what we want. I want eternal life. And Jesus says, well, you know the commandments. Go ahead and do it. He says, yeah, I do all of them. He says, ha, 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 you do them all. But you're lacking something. What does he say he's lacking? 
He says to him, money is standing in the way of you experiencing life. Don't let that be you. Money isn't worth it. Don't allow your life. And again, it's not about money. It's about inner satisfaction. Because when you begin to trust God and you begin to put God first, God begins to like drain that dissatisfaction out of your life. It's a beautiful thing. It is a beautiful thing. I've seen it happen over and over again. Look at Malachi chapter three. Malachi three is tied to Genesis 28. It's tied to Deuteronomy 26. It's like this redundant issue in the Bible because we are constantly having this issue with money standing in our way. He said, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. Test me in this. Now, here's the weird thing. Test me. The Bible, this is the only place we talk, we're told that we can test God. Every other place says we should trust God, except for this. You know why? wonder why. Because God loves us so much, and he knows that we're very emotional about money, and he knows that people distort and twist and put pressure. People like me, like pastors all the time, we pass the plate four and five times and make people feel guilty and tell them they're going to go to hell unless they give money. And God knows people are going to screw it up, and God knows people are tied to money. God knows people are emotional about money. So God says, look, 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 trust me. You can actually test me in this. It's a phenomenal thing. Only time in the Bible we can test God. It's over the issue. Test me in this, and what's going to happen? Says the Almighty, and see if I will not throw open. Here we go. The same thing as in Genesis 28, the floodgates of heaven. That's a temple. And pour out so much blessing that there will not be room enough for you to store. In other words, you are going to be fully satisfied. You're going to be fully alive and fully satisfied. Look, money isn't the only way we put God first, but it does tend to come to the top over and over and over again. Um, God does not want us to live our lives in absolute uh, misery. He wants us to deal with that inner dissatisfaction and discontent that is a universal human problem. I know this isn't a fun way to begin a brand new year. Um, uh, but it is a very effective way. Uh, you know, leadership books talk about the scarcity mindset. It goes back to this. Social scientists talk about being a giver, not being a getter. Jacob thought that he could solve all of his problems by getting, getting, getting. And we're clearly told that our problems and our joy and our satisfaction with life are about turning outside of ourselves, Okay. So we've heard a lot of stuff, as I said, um, about money in church, and there's a lot of trauma, or you've watched some person on TV, and they're doing all their stuff. So again, I, I want to say two things. I'm very sorry for that, but the evidence is really clear that if we will put God first in this area, it'll begin to drain the dissatisfaction from our lives. Now, I've said it multiple times already, but I want to say it again. This message is not about money. It's about satisfaction. I, I, I am so uh, concerned as I think about uh, people and we have so much in America. Matter of fact, Jesus talks in Matthew 6 about worry and having a bunch of stuff. And it's so true. America has more than any other nation in the history of the world. And we're filled with anxiety. And that's exactly what Jesus says. And here's the way to deal with anxiety. Here's the way to deal with dissatisfaction. Here's how we begin to tackle it and chip it away. It's, it's, it's really important. So I, this is not a gimmick, what I'm getting ready to say now. If you're looking at me and say, John, look, dude, all you want to do is get my money. That's all you're, all you're trying to do. Um, 
I would encourage you, I would rather you, I'd rather you try this out. Please consider giving the money to another church then. Okay, I'm dead serious with that. You, you, you don't allow your life to be gummed up by money. Pray about it. I tell my kids this all the time. Pray, do that holy act of giving, and then watch what happens. I can't tell you the dozens and dozens of stories in my own life and in other people's lives about seeing that dissatisfaction just really being drained away. Now, I read Malachi just a few moments ago, um, and I want to say, because sometimes people read that story, and it's like, oh, that sounds like playing the lottery. It's not. It's, it, it's not. We have something. Can we bring up that uh, financial peace graphic? We, uh, so we do something called financial It's all the nuts and bolts. It's not like, oh, okay, well, I tied, and now I'm going to head over to the MGM at National Harbor and or play the lottery. So no, 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 no. You still have to follow wise, right, right, wise counsel. And uh, you know, we call it financial peace. We, FPU, we call it FPU. You got to get the, you got to get that uh, P in there, uh, because then you'd be just saying F U, and we don't want to say that. Which, which is how some of you feel right now. You want to say that to me? You're going to leave, and you're going to wave that middle finger at me. Okay, I understand. I get it. I get it. I'm with you. I'm with you. Uh, but it actually is an amazing thing. Okay, I want to read one last uh, scripture to you. This is, this is the way God's world works. Proverbs eleven twenty four. This is amazing. And it's true. It's just true. One gives freely and yet they grow all the more richer. Again, think about satisfaction, not money. Another withholds what he should give and only suffers one. Everybody, there's no pressure. Oh, I'm up. time's up because somebody's alarm just went off. I heard that. <laughs> Shut this thing down, man. It's probably Derek. It's probably Derek's over there. He's ready, to get, he's ready to get out of that dark room. Okay. There's no pressure. There's no guilt. Okay. Let me end uh, with just a quick story if I can. And then the music has a great song for today. It's the perfect song for today. So uh, there were two friends. They both went to church. And one of the guys was like always dissatisfied. He's always, always, if I just had this, if I just had this, he was never satisfied. He always want more, 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 more. And he went to his buddy one day because his buddy wasn't that way. You know, he knew his buddy at, you know, from church and hang out. And like that guy was just always, he was always in the moment. You know, it's so great to live in the moment. Never all be that FOMO thing or, ah, I got to have more of it. He's like, dude, what is it? He says, hey man, you've been in church all your life. Do you, um, do you tithe? He's like, tithe, what is that? When you give 10% of your income to God as an offering, as a holy, grateful offering to God, do you do that? He said, no, and I'm not going to. <laughs> That's just not, not going to happen. I throw, a tip in, I throw a tip in the plate every now and then, but there's no way in the world I'm going to tithe. He says, dude, let me show you. And he walks him through scripture and he finally convinces him. And the guy says, how much money do you make? Does that make about $1,000 a week? He says, okay, it's $100 a week. And he says, you need to start praying, you need to start giving, and you need to start noticing what happens in your life. And so the guy did it. And he started feeling a lot more, like, like it slowly drained, slowly, slowly drained the dissatisfaction. He got to a place after a number of years that he was like, oh, yes. I don't have to walk around all the time with that deep inner ache. I just feel at peace. I feel fully satisfied. Well, years and years go on, and lo and behold, the friend started making a lot more money. And when he made a lot more money, he stopped tithing. He's like, there's just no way. 
I'm going to do that. And so everybody began to notice that he was becoming dissatisfied. And so his buddy comes to him and says, hey, dude, everybody's noticing that you're totally dissatisfied with life. You know, what's going on? And he hemmed and hauled and said a bunch of things. But finally, his friend dug in. He's like, hey, oh, I stopped tithing. I cannot trust God with that much money. Like $100 a week is one thing, okay? But not the money I make now. There's just no way. And he said, so can you, can you please help me? Can you please, can you please pray for me? Because I want that satisfaction so bad. He said, okay. So he put his hand on his friend's shoulder and says, God, help my buddy to make $1,000 a week again. <laughs> it's not about money, everybody. It, it, it is, it's about inner satisfaction. And you know what? I hope so badly and I pray so much and I love you guys so much and I know some of you are upset with me but this, if you were to ask me what is the quickest way that I could see God work in my life and begin to deal with the, that tyranny of more that exists in our country, um, this is it and God will be faithful uh, to his word. I'm gonna pray. Heavenly Father, thank you Lord so much uh, that you give us a way out and um, Lord, I ask that you would be with those who have experienced uh, pain, and right now all the triggers are going off, and I'm very, very sorry about that. God, you love us, and you want us to experience that true peace, that deep inner satisfaction, that ache to just go away. And Lord, I just ask that that would be the case for all of us, and that 2024 would be just a wonderful year of contentment. Please, Lord, in Christ's name, amen.